The reading tonight is Proverbs 9, verses 1 to 18, and this can be found on page 533 of the Church Bibles. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse and he who reproves a wicked man incures injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me, your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there and her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Well, thank you for reading for us. Um, please keep Proverbs 9 open there in front of you. Um, before we turn to it, just um, if you have a look at the service sheet for a moment, um, you'll see on the inside cover, one, there's a, a, a plan for where we're going to go tonight. But on the other side of um, the cover, you'll see a list of readings from Genesis. Um, this is because uh, one of our plans for next year is to, um, gen that Genesis will be our motto series. It'll be the series that we preach and the series that we work through uh, in our small groups from around about the sort of middle of August. Um, to get a bit of a head start on that, we'd encourage you at some point over the summer just to read through the book. It's a long book, though, and we wanted to give you an idea that you could do it one a day, one chapter a day, and you can make it um, before we start. And in fact, you even get, I think, three or four catch-up days. If, like me, you forget a couple of times, uh, you can catch up. I'd encourage you to do that. Uh, some of that would be very daunting. Uh, one thing that we found helpful in the past is to listen to it as you read it. Um, and you can get um, on the... Uh, ESV Bible app, you can download an audio for it along with uh, on Bible Gateway's website. So that's just for the future. Have a go at that when you're on your holidays uh, reading through Genesis. Now, Proverbs. So over the summer, we're going to also, during our midweek Summerlink series, uh, be studying what Proverbs teaches about five areas of life our speech, our friendships, our families, our work and how we make plans for the future. Now, my aim for tonight, um, one of the aims for tonight, is really to persuade you uh, that that's really worth you coming to, and that you'll come to these evenings. 
Um, above all, there's a bigger plan, a bigger aim, really, which is to encourage us that what we really need is wisdom, uh, which Proverbs um, offers to us. Now, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to look together at the last of several poems or lectures in the book um, through chapters 1 to 9, um, Proverbs chapter 9. There's an outline on the service sheet, as I said, which shows you just um, where we're going to go um, through this lecture. Now, the first, these first chapters, they're written to persuade us to read and learn from the rest of the book. So from chapters 10 to 31, you get those familiar two-line um, pithy sayings uh, that Proverbs is famous for. Proverbs 1 to 9 is, is to really convince us that it's worth reading the rest of the book, which is what we're going to be studying um, over the summer. So I trust that um, chapter 9 will persuade you. Uh, this is an exciting book that's got lots to offer uh, for us. Now let's pray before we turn to it. Lord God, our Father, we thank you for every part of your word, and we thank you for this part of your word called Proverbs. Lord, we're perhaps not very familiar with it, most of us, and we ask therefore for your help, the help of your spirit, to understand what your word is saying to us, and Lord, that you would make us wise. We know we need to be wise. We pray that you, by your spirit, that's what would happen in our hearts and in our lives going forwards. In Jesus' name. Amen. So how do you make decisions? Imagine um, that you need a new car or a new bike. Uh, your old car or bike's broken down or, or been stolen or something like that, and you need a new one. How do you make that decision? Well, some of us, we might pride ourselves on being objective. We write out the pros, of, pros and cons in lists of each model, uh, we weigh up the options and we make the logical choice, or at least what we think is uh, the logical choice. Others of us, we might pride ourselves on our instincts. We kind of go with our guts. We just trust what feels like the right thing. And that doesn't let us down uh, very often. It's the kind of, I'll take the red, fast-looking one. That's that kind of uh, way of making decisions. Perhaps there's another approach that you can make decisions based on the kind of consensus out there. So this is the sort of eight out of ten cat owners can't be wrong kind of stuff. We garner opinions of others. We uh, read around. We go with what most people would do in our situation. Uh, which magazine would say this model is the most popular one, it's got the most stars. And so we say I'm going with that one. Consensus decision. Or perhaps we're the kind of person who likes to not make a decision at all, if we can help it. We like to wait for things to happen. Maybe we're even worried that we might make the wrong call, and so we put it off, and we stick to the bus for now. Now, that's just one decision, and I guess in some ways that's just a pretty small decision in terms of the grand scheme of things, but there are many more in life and many more important ones. Which course should I study? Which job should I take? Where should I live? Whom should I marry? Should I get married or not? Should we have kids? How many kids should we have? Which church should I go to? Which ministry should I serve in? How should I invest my money? And what advice should I give to my friend who is facing all of these questions as well. There are important decisions to be made. Often in all of those things, there'll be a variety of options that seem reasonable, and we find ourselves standing at a kind of crossroads with several paths to take, 
How do we decide? Well, whether you make your decisions by your logic or your guts or following others or by waiting for things to unfold or a combination of all of those things, which I guess most of us uh, do, the question that Proverbs wants to ask us is, have you considered wisdom? Have you sought out wisdom from the Lord's Word to help you navigate through life's choices? Have you done that? In fact, it's slightly strong. It's not just a question. Proverbs urges us that we need the Lord's wisdom. And that's because in ourselves, we struggle to make wise choices. Proverbs has a word to describe people like us, our basic nature, and you're not going to like it. Uh, It's the word simple. It's chapter 9, verse 4, and chapter 9, verse 16. We are simple by nature. Now, simple means gullible, it means naive, and easily led. And we find that insulting, don't we? We don't like to think of ourselves as simple, but Proverbs says, no, human beings, this is our essential nature. This is what we're like. And this description, I think, captures three basic problems that we all have, which are on the uh, service sheet. Number one, we tend to overestimate our own wisdom. We think we are wiser than we really are. Two, we underestimate our sinful bias. So the Bible's description of our hearts is a bit like lawn bowls. Do you know, some of you don't know what I mean by this, but you know, lawn bowls? So lawn bowls, uh, it's a bowl that is biased. So it has a weight on one side. And so when you bowl it, it always pulls off the straight line uh, to the right or to the left. Since the fall, our hearts are like that. They contain a bias towards sin. We naturally pull off the straight and narrow path of righteousness into sin. We want to go that way. We have a sinful bias. And the simple in Proverbs, they have this bias. That's our second problem. And three, our third problem is that we don't make the most out of the resources that the Lord has provided for us. We are too often deaf to the word of God. So three big, three big problems we have when it comes to wise decision-making. We overestimate our own wisdom. We underestimate our sinful bias. And we don't listen to the word of God, which can make us wise. And all that makes us what Proverbs calls simple, gullible, naive, easily led, into trouble. But God is gracious to simple people and he calls to us through Proverbs, he calls to us to listen and to turn to the Lord's wisdom instead of turning to folly. And that call is most clearly heard in Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9 pictures us, it pictures us at a crossroads. There's a house on either side And there are two women there calling to us, whoever is simple, turn in here. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. So let's get to it in 
Proverbs 9. Let's begin then, first of all, with wisdom's call. This is verses 1 to 6. Wisdom calls us to turn to her and really live. So, wisdom of the book of Proverbs is imagined here as an attractive and noble woman who has built her house, prepared a great feast, and sends out her servants with an invitation. Let me read verse 1 to 6. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insights. So what's this about? Well, you need to know that Proverbs chapter 9 is the hinge point of the book. It's setting up chapters 10 to 31. So the opening lectures, chapters 1 to 9, they've, if you like, they've set up her house. They've laid out the case that God's wisdom is the only voice worth listening to if we are to truly live and flourish, both in this life and through into eternity. The house has been built by her in chapters 1 to 9. Now in the next chapters, in the ones that are coming up, it's as if there is an amazing feast prepared for us. Champagne, caviar, fillet steak, angel delight, all the good stuff. The table's set and it's ready for us to enjoy. It is a rich feast of food and wine. And we, the simple, we're being invited to it. Wisdom sends out her servants. They call to us in the rest of the book to dwell in wisdom's house, to enjoy her great feast. Doesn't that sound good? But who are these young women? Um, This is in verse Three, who are they, these servants? It's a slightly peculiar detail, but I think that it illustrates this, that in the rest of the book that's coming, the wisdom of Proverbs will come from many different voices. It's like a kind of best-of album, or it's a compilation or an anthology. It's been gathered from numerous sources, numerous voices. From Solomon, he's the main voice, he's the voice you hear first. But also from other wise men like Agur, a guy called Agur, son of Jacket, and a guy called King Lemuel and his mother, and from many other unnamed wise people. There are multiple voices calling with wisdom on their lips, but they're actually saying the same thing. They're saying, verse 4, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. Come and listen to the Lord's wisdom. You who are simple, You who overestimate your own wisdom, you who underestimate your sinful bias, you who tend to normally neglect the word of God, turn in. Verse 6, leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. You see, this book is where you can learn to really live. 
to live what Jesus, the one to whom the book points, the, the truly wise king, the truly wise teacher, to live what he called life and life to the full. Turn in here and you will learn the way of wisdom, Jesus' pattern for flourishing in this life, in this world. In here is what we need. We need it for navigating through work and family and friendship. In here is what we need to know about how to deal with money and sex and power and popularity and fame and all of that. You will discover help here for making all of life's decisions and you will find the wisdom that leads to real life for eternity. Wisdom calls us to turn to her and really live. Isn't that attractive? Don't we want that? Don't we want to know how to do that? Why would we turn to anywhere else? And yet people do, don't they? Instead of heeding wisdom's call and finding this fulfilled and satisfying life that God offers, well, we see people all the time, don't we? They reject God's words and they make a complete and utter mess of things. Why do they do that? Why ignore Jesus' wisdom? Why ignore the creator, the, the one who knows all things, who, who knows how this world works and how we work? Why would you not listen to him and live the way that he tells you? It seems crazy, but many people do. And the answer to why people do is found in the last part of chapter 9. It's because there is a competing call from a competing woman, one who we find difficult to resist, and she's called folly. So let's look at her now. This is verse 13 to 18. Folly calls to us to turn to her and really die. Verse 13. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. It's very striking, isn't it? Folly looks and sounds very similar to wisdom. She too has an attractive pull. She too has a house and offers food and drink. She too calls to us, and she says exactly the same words in her appeal. In verse 16, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. The point's really clear, isn't it? That this is her competing. She too longs to draw in the simple, to draw in you and draw in me, into her house to taste her sweet and pleasant delights. But who is she? Well, if woman wisdom was divine wisdom from the Lord, Jesus' wisdom, well then who is folly? The Apostle Paul writes these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 19. He says, 
The wisdom of this world is folly with God. Folly is the world and its ways in opposition to God and his word. Folly is the world and its ways which are in opposition to God and his word. Now let's pay attention to her description. Notice the description, verse 13. Folly is loud. She raucously shouts to us. Now this is our experience of the world, isn't it? The voice of folly in the world is is forever in our ears. We hear her on Twitter, on Instagram and TikTok. She preaches in the lecture halls and on the street corners. The pages of the Times and the Mirror proclaim her truth. She shouts both on Newsnight and on Love Island. She sings her songs in the fields of Glastonbury and from the halls of the Opera House. We can't escape her voice wherever we turn. She is loud. And she's seductive. She has sex appeal. We want what she offers. And what does the world offer? Well, easy wealth and success, no strings attached sex, power over others, popularity and fame. She says, you can have all this. I offer it to you if only you will turn and make your home here with me. And we want to, don't we? Our bias towards sin, it pulls our hearts towards her. But be warned, says Proverbs 9. When it comes to her, when it comes to the world, all is not as it seems. Still in verse 13, she knows nothing. She cannot satisfy you because she is ignorant. The world is ignorant of God, is ignorant of God's word, and it's ignorant of how human beings can flourish. Well, she knows how to make her appeal, all right. She knows how to pull people in. She's right in verse 17 when she says that stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. The sin that the world would have us join in with is very enjoyable. It's not as ultimately satisfying as wisdom's feast. It's just bread and water, not uh, meat and wine. But nonetheless, you will enjoy it. It is exciting, at least for a moment. But when you enter her house, it all turns to ash. Her house is a house of death. Verse 18 is a really terrifying picture, isn't it? But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. You're led by this seductive woman in through the front door into what promises to be a really thrilling life experience of fun and fulfilment, but it's all a pretense. Before you know it, the door slams shut behind you And then as your eyes adjust to the gloom, you see the bodies of those who have entered before you, littering the floor. You realise that you've entered Sheol, the house of the dead, and there's no way out. This is where folly leads you to death, to real, physical, eternal darkness. 
So here then are the two women. Wisdom, the voice of the Lord Jesus, found in Proverbs. And folly, the voice of the world and its ways. These two voices call out to us, call out to the simple, to you and I. And at first glance, they both seem attractive. Both call and offer a fulfilled life. What seems to be a house full of rich delights. See, all those little decisions in life, they ultimately all boil down to one big decision, don't they? Will you choose wisdom or folly? Will you choose the Lord Jesus or the world? But only one leads to life. The other leads to death. So the application is really simple. Heed wisdom's call. Turn into her and live. In other words, keep reading. Enjoy the rich feast that wisdom has laid on for you. Do that. You can find out here how to really live. Really live the full and joyful life that God in his grace offers to you in his son. This leads us into our final section, the bit in the middle, chapter 9, verse 7 to 12. Now here's the key. Here we find the key to whether we will turn to wisdom or folly. In a sense, verses 7 to 12 ask us a slightly different question. They ask us, how do you respond when you are challenged? How do you respond when a friend, say, comes up to you and says that something you're doing is foolish or that the way that you're living is wrong and needs to change or that you're sinning in some way and you need to repent? How do you respond when you are challenged? That's really what this section is about. The reason it's here, I think, is because God's wisdom in Proverbs is God's wisdom and not the world's. It's not ours. And so it will often say things that we won't like. Remember, we're the, we're the simple. We already think that we're wise. We have this bias towards sin. We don't like being told what to do, do we? And Proverbs is going to push and challenge us. It will at several points correct and reprove us. So just for example, in our studies um, throughout the summer... Uh, we're going to be told to be careful with our lips and not gossip. We're going to be told to be careful who our friends are, and that not everyone is helpful as a friend. We'll be told how to raise our kids. We're told not to be so lazy. And we'll be told that our plans aren't always the best. Now, when we're taught these things, and it, and it goes against what we think is right... Well, at that point, we have the opportunity to react in one of two ways, don't we? We can either be wise and listen, or we can scoff at it. And that's what this central section describes, these two reactions to the truth. First of all, you get a scoffer. Um, a scoffer, if you like, he's a kind of turbocharged, simple person. He's what a simple person looks like if he keeps pulling away from the Lord and, going, uh, and becomes more and more hard-hearted. Hard he is so full of himself 
and his own wisdom that he absolutely rejects the idea that he might have to listen to anyone else. Scoffers so convinced of his own righteousness that the idea that he might have a sinful bias, well, that's ridiculous to him. And so what he does is he ignores God's word and he ignores God's word again and again and again until he hates God's word and hates those who teach him God's word. Verse 7, whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. And in the end, a scoffer, verse 12, gets his own reward. He gets the life that he deserves. But there's another reaction to the challenge of the wisdom of God's word. Second part of verse 8. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. Now this reveals a profound truth that the wise are also the humble. The wise know their nature. They know that they're simple by nature, conscious of their lack of natural wisdom. They're fully aware of the sinful bias at work in their hearts. And so when someone teaches them, well, they love it. When someone corrects or reproves them, they love it. And they love the one who does it. They love their teacher because they know that left to themselves, well, they would end up in big trouble. And this kind of person too, they receive their own reward. Their life becomes the life that God offers to them. A life of growing in wisdom, full of joy and righteousness. So then here we see this determining factor of whether we're going to heed wisdom's call or whether we're going to turn to folly. And it's the attitude of our hearts. We can scoff at God's wisdom, can self-righteously think, I don't need this. Or we can be humble and wisely listen to all that God says. And the one who will become wise has the attitude that's summed up in verse 10 to 11. This is the very centre of this passage. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. This is it. This is the key to whether you will gain the full life that God offers as a gift to you. Here's where you've got to start. This is where you've got to start if you want to become wise. You must fear him and you must know him. Fear the Lord, know the Holy One. Fear him because he's awesome and mighty and powerful and righteous. And know him, who he is, his holy and wise character. This is really central for us because it teaches us that God speaks to us of his wisdom, not merely through his word in Proverbs, but ultimately through his person and through the person of his son in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus, he's the truly wise man. He's the man who lives out the wisdom of Proverbs perfectly in his life and Jesus is the truly wise teacher too he's the one greater than Solomon and as we read through the book you're going to be astonished I think just to see how much of Proverbs comes up in Jesus's teaching um, throughout the gospel accounts 
Turning into Proverbs is going to ultimately put us on a path to lead and to fear and know Jesus, the true wisdom of God. Even this chapter, it points us to him. John's Gospel, John chapter 6. Jesus is speaking to many of his disciples about his coming death. And he too calls them to repent, to turn to him. He offers them himself. He calls them to a feast, to feed on his flesh and blood by faith. And it is a kind of crossroads for the disciples. They're they're at a point of decision. And many of them, they find this teaching really hard, too difficult. They won't listen to him anymore. John 6, 66. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. What a wise decision Peter made. There were two choices before him, two ways to turn. He could turn back to the world as others did, or he could turn in faith to Jesus Christ. Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life, and we've believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. See, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me, by the Lord Jesus, your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. Here's the big decision the wisest of choices that we can make to turn to wisdom is to turn to Jesus Christ, the one in whom we really live. Have you been persuaded? Persuaded that one, you're simple, as we all are, that left to ourselves we'll make foolish decisions, that we need wisdom. And are we persuaded that God has provided wisdom for us Both here in Proverbs, before us this summer, let's turn in, let's live in this house together, let's enjoy the feast that is set before us. But together, let's really live as we turn to the Lord Jesus and his wisdom. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you once again for your, the gift of your words to us. And we thank you, Lord, that it, it is so realistic about humanity, about what we're really like. But we thank you, too, that it speaks to us of your grace, that you don't leave us where we are, and that you don't give us what we deserve, but that you call to us, you call us back to yourself, to turn in to your Son, the Lord Jesus that we might be saved by him and that we might become wise. We thank you for all of that. And we pray, Lord, that as we look at your word and think about it tonight and as we go over the book of Proverbs this summer, we pray, Lord, that you would make us wise for salvation and that you'd make our lives pleasing to you as we make wise choices as we go through. In Jesus' name, amen.